The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. We're having technical difficulties today. And I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to stream on YouTube again today. I know the devil doesn't want these broadcasts to be heard. You can listen to this broadcast if you're on YouTube. You can go to the website for 780 AM, WAVA, 
7.80 a.m. And you can listen live there. I'm very, very concerned. I know that these broadcasts are being blocked by the enemy. I'm watching as America dies. I'm watching the death of America. And my question is, will you die with America or will you tear down your idols? You must choose and then act on your choice. Why do I say America is dying? The latest sign that America is dying is when the FBI, that has become an utterly corrupt organization, now searches at gunpoint a former president of the United States. That's weaponizing the legal system by the far left, by the communist. Now, I don't know if you're a supporter of Donald Trump or if you're against Donald Trump. To me, it doesn't really matter. To me, what matters is that the federal government, the presidency, is legalizing the Justice Department, Justice Department. They are freeing them to weaponize politically our institutions of justice. That causes me heartburn. It makes me want to vomit. If they can do that to a former president, what can they do to you? Anything. To me, anything. My home can be raided too by the FBI for no reason except I preach the gospel. We are in an exceedingly destructive time in American history. The central banks are destroying our currency. They're destroying the economic powerhouse and the middle class of America. We now know enough about what has happened in the past two years to close down the businesses of America, to know that it was a corrupt organization that moved with lies and dishonesty. So I look at what's happening in America, and I've lived long enough, I'm now 77 years old, to watch as slowly every unclean and perverse thing has entered into the town square. And today we call evil good, and we call good evil in America. And God's judgments stand directly against America. So here we are at this juncture point where you and I have a front row seat to the rising beast power that will institute 666, that will institute the Antichrist, 
and the forced chipping of every American citizen. We are watching as the walls of persecution will begin to close around the Christian church. And what we've seen thus far in the American church is not at all very promising. It looks like accommodation, compromise, and worldliness. There must be a change. And that change can only come by the outpoured power and presence of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, righteousness, innocence, integrity. So as we watch what's happening in America, as we watch the destruction of this great land, and of all the Western lands. I come to this story of Gideon. And the first step in Gideon's life that drew him into the task of rescuing his nation was when he cast off, destroyed, the idol of Baal, the prosperity god, the utterly unclean Canaanite god, with all of its filthy practices, with its Asherah pole. This was cut down. The altar was destroyed. Now he faced some pushback by the town's men, but his father stood up for him so they could not kill him. But I want you to look with me today at Judges, the sixth chapter. Now all the Midianites, this is verse 33, all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning, and he summoned all of the peoples. Now, I want you to notice, when the idol is torn down in your life, when you come to terms with what it is that God wants to deal with in your heart, the next thing that will happen will be every power of the demonic realm will come against you to destroy you. Now, some of you have just rolled over and said, oh, you want to take all of my money? Okay, you can take it. I can't do anything about it. Oh, you want to steal my children? Okay, I can't do anything about it. I can't, I can't fight against the wickedness. You can take my children. Oh, you want to take my property? Okay. An attitude of helplessness, of victimization. That's not how I was raised as a Christian. It's not how I was raised as an American. 
but when we take a stand for righteousness, every power of the devil will come against you. And it will look like you're going to be destroyed. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and the other eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. What were they doing there? Destroying their crops, stealing their livestock, moving into their homes, stealing everything they could take away. And the children of Israel were utterly miserable, living in caves, living in the woods. They couldn't come out. They would be killed if they came out. They were utterly unable. They they were being destroyed. So, today, if you will take a stand against the idol in your heart. Now, yesterday, and I urge you, if you have not listened, go back and listen to yesterday's broadcast. We identified many of the idols that we deal with. Self is the greatest idol. We give way to anger and bitterness and hardness of heart. The devil moves in and begins to take over the levers of our heart. We give ourselves over to the lust for money and power. We want to be respected. We want a reputation. We want to be considered as someone important. All of these are false idols. And they have to be dealt with. They have to be torn down. Now, as we watch America dying before our eyes, you have to decide, are you going to die with America Or are you going to stand up and say, I am for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And I will not compromise with the powers of darkness. I will walk innocent and clean before Jesus, my Lord. I love him with all of my heart and all of my soul. You have to make that decision. Have you made it? And have you torn down the idols or idol of your heart? The entertainment, the television, the internet, the cell phone, all can become idols. Our family, our pets. We're people who love to idolize something. Lifestyle. All of these have to be laid on the altar. Again, go to Romans, the sixth chapter. Read very carefully what the Apostle Paul writes to us or what Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount had to say where he tears at every idol that can fill a human heart. And he says, take up your cross. If you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. Where was he going? To Golgotha to die. So Gideon, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and he summoned 
the tribes to come and follow him. Zebulun, Asher, Naphtali, they all were summoned to come and join him in defeating these eastern people who were destroying the land of Israel. Now, we come to a portion of this scripture that is very troublesome to me, and yet I have to admit, I have been in my immature time of life willing to do this kind of thing, but not in many, many, many years. Gideon says to to God, If you would save Israel by my hand as you have promised. Is that what God promised him? No, that's not what God promised him. God promised that he would go with him, that it would be the power of God that would deliver. Look over here. Uh, Let me see if I can find it. Yes, in verse 14, uh, chapter 6, verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest of Manasseh. I'm the least in my family. And the Lord answers, I will be with you. So Gideon is already a little bit off track. He thinks that God is going to save Israel by his hand. No, he's going to save Israel by the hand of the Lord God of heaven. And he's going to use Gideon to accomplish that. We'll see how this plays out in the story of Gideon, but it finally brings great tragedy to his family. Look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that's what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. And then Gideon said to the Lord, Do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Now listen. Gideon knew he was out of line. Gideon knew he was not walking in faith. And that's why he's saying to the Lord, Don't don't be angry with me, but I, I need to press this further. He's already blown the trumpet. The people, the warriors are already assembling. But now he's beginning to question, is God really going to save Israel? That will make God angry. I would not be allowed today to lay out a fleece for the will of God. I know what the will of God is, and I must walk it out day by day in spite of many hardships and difficulties. In spite of, instead of being able to go on YouTube today, I'm just on radio. This YouTube will be placed later. The video won't be there, but the, but the voice will be later today. But I'm saying, Lord... I trust you. You know what you're doing. It's not by my hand 
that revival will come to America. It is by the hand of Almighty God, and he will choose those he will use to bring that humble word of rebuke for sin. He will choose whom he will use. Will he choose me? He has said he will. So I see no sign of that. But I trust him. I'm not going to lay out a fleece and say, Lord, are you really going to use this broadcast to do something good for your kingdom? I'm not going to do that. I trust him. He has said what he's going to do. He has shown me full envision, revival. He's promised that he will bring revival. Revival comes by the hand of God. The first step is the idol has to be torn down. And so I come preaching holiness and righteousness and calling you to tear your idols down because I know that that must happen for God to move in power in America. Am I going to lay a fleece out for God and say, do, do you really mean that, God? Can I, can I trust you, God? Will you? No, I'm not going to do that. And I urge you not to lay out fleeces for God. Don't test God that way. It can make him very, very angry with you. He says, allow me one more test with the fleece. This time make the fleece dry and the ground around covered with dew. And that night God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. Gideon is not yet convinced. He still lacks the courage and the trust and the belief in God to move forward with what he knows he's to do. And it raises the question, has God asked you to do things and you've been afraid to move forward? Has he asked you to turn off the TV and you've been afraid of what your family would say if you if you cut the the movies off, you cut the television off. Has God told you what he wants you to do with your entertainment? But you've been afraid of what your husband or your wife would think. Has God instructed you regarding how to tear down the idol that is there in the midst of your life or in the midst of your family's life? And have you been afraid to do that? Are you walking on eggshells? You don't want to break any eggs. Well, you can't do an omelet without breaking the eggs. I'm just, in my heart, I'm seeing America destroyed by weak men who are filled with the demonic powers, like Mr. Biden and many others. Weak men who are fully in the control of demonic powers that are causing the one world beast system to arise. We knew it was coming. The Bible tells us exactly what's going to happen. But in my lifetime? Are you kidding me? Yes, in my lifetime, I watch as the beast power of Revelation 13 rises up and it will rule the world through seven years of tribulation. But my Jesus is coming. 
it astonishes me that I sit on the edge of history watching the fulfillment of the prophecies of God. At the same time, my heart is sick because I love America. I've always loved America. I love the idea of freedom and democracy and and capitalism that is not controlled by corporations. The freedom to buy and produce, to give, to contribute, to walk with responsibility, to work hard. These are values I was raised with. I'm seeing all of that be swept away. I'm watching every perverse and pornographic thing being brought into the public square. It's no longer hidden. It's right there in our faces. And I say, Lord, it makes me so heart sick. So I see on one hand the destruction of America, and on the other hand I see the rise of the beast power, and on the other side I see the coming of Jesus. How should I feel about all that? Well, I'm rejoicing that Jesus is coming. I'm rejoicing in my Savior. I'm rejoicing that I can trust him. And we're going to go through some of the most difficult times in the, in the coming months. as this beast power shoves aside men of of faith and integrity and hard work and honesty. We're watching it happen. And I cannot help but cry for America. I cannot help but cry for the church. My heart is broken. My heart is broken because the church has not stood up against it. It's rolled over and played dead and built its big, beautiful buildings and made its big budgets and well-paid and well-educated pastors who tickle the ears of God's people with lies. Entertainment. Jokes. Many churches, if you were to go this coming Sunday the pastor would stand up and do a monologue of joking before he finally said, well, let's open the word. And then he'd give you a nice little neat lesson, some self-improvement deal or some prosperity strategy. He would sound very profound, but full of darkness. No rebuke of evil, no call to righteousness, No call to repent. No arrows of the Holy Spirit to strike your heart. My spiritual father was Pastor David Wilkerson from the Times Square Church. I loved him dearly. He used to say these things to me. He used to say, Pastor, 
He called me Brother Ray. He'd say, Brother Ray, this is what's coming. God has showed me this is coming. And I'd say, how's that possible, brother? Oh, now I see it. He was right. All that he prophesied is coming to pass even now as we are in this terrible time. So it's not a time to put out fleeces. It's not a time to test the Lord. It's a time to stand up on the word of God and say, I will serve Jesus Christ regardless of what that costs me or my family. And it may well cost you everything, including your life. Well, early in the morning in chapter 7, Gideon and all of his men set up camp. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley hill of Moriah. And the Lord says something so utterly profound and terrifying. He says to Gideon, You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into your hands in order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. Announce now to the people, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 men remained. The army of the eastern peoples was countless Thousands upon thousands. Gideon has a small army of 30,000 men. And the Lord says, You have too many men for me to deliver Israel. Because they will boast against me that it was in their own strength that they were saved. So send home anyone who's fearful. And 20,000 soldiers leave, depart. God is going to make sure as he brings revival to America that no man or woman will touch his glory. It will be of the Lord and the Lord alone that Christians are turned back and repent before Jesus. Now, let's be clear about that. The Lord God of heaven is our Redeemer. No man and no woman can be your Redeemer. It is Jesus alone who is the Redeemer. It is Jesus alone who shed his blood on Calvary's tree to open the way for you to enter into salvation. God does not want Israel to boast against him that it was their military strategy. It was their training. It was their powerful number of 
30,000 against these countless thousands, maybe 100,000 men. They were a little goat herd. God did not want even the slightest chance that anyone could boast against the Lord and say, we did it. Well, today, everything in the church is about we do it. We can do it. I listen to some of the introductions for well-known pastors as they come to preach in one another's churches. And the introductions are long and flowery. Wonderful affirmations of all the good things this dear pastor has accomplished and done. Wrong. It makes God angry. He will not share his glory. When I go somewhere to preach, I stand up just like I do for this radio broadcast. When I come to this mic, my voice is not full of foolishness and frivolity. I don't come telling jokes. I come and swing the sword as hard as I can swing it. I come and do all that the Holy Spirit has given me to pierce your heart and to cause you to destroy the idols of your life and turn in repentance to Jesus Christ. That's how it should be in every church. We have enough, we have way too much foolishness Lightness, nothing of import, jokes, videos. Some pastors are showing videos out of wicked movies to make their point because they have no Holy Spirit presence or power. It breaks my heart. It makes me weep before the Lord. He says, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into your hands. You realize your deliverance in healing, your deliverance financially, your deliverance from mental issues, your deliverance at the job. It's all in Jesus' hands. He is our deliverer. He is our healer. Jesus is the one who is the master, the ruler. You cannot go wrong by placing your case in his hands, but he's going to make sure that you cannot say, oh, it was this doctor. Oh, it was this company. Oh, I had the money saved. Oh, this. No, Jesus is alone, the one who will rescue you. They have 10,000 men left. And the Lord speaks again to Gideon. There are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will sift them there for you. If I say this one shall go, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. 
In other words, the Lord is going to choose the warriors who will be involved in this fight, and they will be warriors who have torn down their idols. They are men that God will trust to do as he calls them to do. So Gideon took the men down to the water, and there the Lord said, Separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog. In other words, those who scoop the water up in their hands and drink out of their hand. Separate those from the people who kneel down and put their face in the water and drink. 300 men lapped with their hands to their mouth. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. And the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Impossible! 300 men against this vast army? 300 men with the Lord Jesus standing with them. Nothing is too hard for our Lord. Our Lord can do whatever he chooses to do. And what he chooses to do is to deliver his people, to heal his people, to restore his people, to revive his people. Jesus does what he needs to do to prepare you for the kingdom above. Let all the other men go, each to his own place. Judges 7, verse 8, So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites to their tents, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others. Now, Gideon is ready to go to war, right? Wrong. I love Gideon. He's like we all are. We need assurance after assurance after assurance. God, do you really want me to tear this idol down? Tear it down. Oh, but Lord, what's my father going to say? What's my mother going to say? What's my wife, my husband, my children? What's my boss going to say? Oh, how do I do this, Lord? Tear it down. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up. Go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. And if you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. I love that the Lord simply wanted to encourage Gideon's heart. He was not impatient with him as men are impatient. God is not pleased when we act like this. Oh, but God was very pleased with this man. So he and his servant went down to the outposts of the camp 
The Midianites and the Amalekites and all the other eastern people had settled in the valley thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand of the seashore. Gideon, can you see him? Quietly staying in the shadows, making his way down toward the camp, watching out for the watchman. Gideon arrived just as a man is telling a friend about a dream he just had. He said, I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. Oh, I want you to see something. It was a barley loaf, not a wheat loaf. Barley's not nearly as valuable as wheat. Gideon was a nobody. He wasn't of the upper class. He wasn't of the elite. He was not trained in military maneuvers. He was a farmer. He knew how to thresh wheat. He knew how to grow wheat. He knew how to take care of livestock. But he wasn't somebody. In the dream God gave, he was just a barley loaf. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. So God gives the enemy a dream. And that man relates the dream and interprets it. And says, the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Well, that's utterly impossible. It's only 300 soldiers. They had all of the information about who Gideon was. And they were prepared to deal with him. But in the dream... The dream said that Gideon was going to win, that he was going to destroy the Midianites. When Gideon heard this dream and its interpretation, all he could do, finally, was to worship the Lord God of heaven. I love that. Finally, Gideon is ready to worship God, to believe him. To trust him. He returned to camp. He called the men to get up. And he said, The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Then he divided the men into groups of 100 each, three companies. Watch me, he told them, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Ah, does that pierce your heart like it does mine? He should have just said for the Lord. He doesn't recognize yet that this is not about Gideon. It's about God. 
I want to tell you, revival is not about you or me. Revival is about Jesus. Don't tell me he's not going to bring revival to God's people. Don't tell me you can't find anywhere in Scripture where it's talked about. Yes, it is. If you don't see it, you're blind. This is not about what you or I do on radio or television or in the pulpit. This is about what God will do. So Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch just after they changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. They smashed the jars. They lifted the torches high in the air. And they shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And each man held his position around the camp. And all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. And while the three hundred trumpeters sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. And the army fled. This was the hand of God. They blew their trumpets. What a sound it must have made in that night air to hear those trumpets blowing. Usually each trumpet to a division, a battalion. The smashing of the jars. What a sound that must have made. Lifting up the torches in the air. God put such fear in those Midianites. The shouting, the loud voices. But they didn't rush in as they did at Jericho. They just stood before the Lord. And it was the Lord who caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other and begin to kill one another with their swords. The Lord was fighting the battle, not the 300 men. They were out of the battle. It was the Lord who fought the battle. Please, can you understand? It's the Lord who must fight the battle in your life. You must tear down your idols. You must repent of your sin. And then you must come before the Lord with humility of heart and recognize that it is the Lord and the Lord alone who will fight the battle for you. That you cannot fight it. The army of the devil is much too big for you to fight against it. I know that America cannot be turned back from its wickedness. I know that there is... <clears throat> pardon me. I know there is nothing in my power to turn America back to righteousness or holiness. And I suspect that with the rising of the one world government, 
the Antichrist, the beast power, I don't think America will be saved. But I know that God wants to raise a remnant of people out of America, out of an apostate church, out of a church that's not even lukewarm anymore. I know God wants to raise up a remnant and cleanse them and wash them of their sins. You may be one of those. And the Lord wants to save you. He wants to restore you. He wants to heal you. He wants to use you to stand still and lift up your voice and shout aloud that Jesus is the Christ. He may have you make a lot of noise. He may have you hold the light high. But it is the power of God that makes the Midianites destroy one another. That was not what Gideon could do. These were seasoned professional soldiers. They're not going to run from a band of 300 men. They wouldn't run from 20,000 men. But they would run from Jesus Christ. The army fled. Others were called up. And as they fled, the army army pursued them, killing them, capturing their kings. Great victory. So I come today and I say, I weep for America. America is dying. It's time for us to tear down our idols. It's time for us to hear from the Lord what his battle plan is for revival in America. You must choose. Do you want to die with America? Are you going to play victim and roll over and just let Satan steal everything? Are you going to choose Jesus and act on that with great courage and say, I will serve the Lord. And it doesn't matter what anybody says to me about serving the Lord. I will serve the Lord. There's a passage of scripture I want to share with you. Second Corinthians, the sixth chapter. I'm going to begin reading for you. Verse 16. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. Since we have these promises, dear friends, 
let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. The Apostle Paul is being very clear. Come out and be separate from the world. Don't choose the world's values. Don't be involved in the world's idols. Don't touch anything unclean. Don't touch anything unclean. And we will be received by Almighty God. So we have these promises that we will be the sons and daughters of the Lord God Almighty. So he says, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. In other words, everything that the flesh is contaminated by in what we do, but then also what we think in our spirit. That must be changed. It must be given over and purified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, we're just about out of time today. I want to thank those of you who have been giving. I ask, would you continue giving? I treasure you. I value you. I appreciate you. Write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Some of you I especially appreciate, not because of the size of your gift, but because of the letters you write and what you tell me about your personal life and how I can pray for you. Richard, you're one of those. I always look forward to getting your wonderful letters. Others of you also do the same thing. Some of you give online. Gail, Dirk, and many others. Thank you. Thank you. This is the work of the gospel. I know I can't do it by myself. I know only the Holy Spirit can accomplish this work and turn America that small number that he will gather for his kingdom, that remnant people. I pray you're one of those. Today, you have to decide very practically. As America is dying, will you die with America? Or will you tear down your idols? You must choose And you must act on that choice. Almighty God, I lift before you every person who has listened or who will listen to this broadcast. I ask, O Lord, that you would speak very clearly. That you would speak very clearly to us about what your desire is and how we should walk it out that you would give us direction and courage. And Lord, some will need a great deal of, of courage from you. Some are bold as lions, but Lord, 
whether we're bold or whether we're weak, would you come with words of direction and encouragement and love and mercy and compassion, remembering that we are but flesh? Oh, Lord, redeem your people. Come with mighty revival by the blood of Jesus. Lord, it is you who comes at the end of time and saves your people. It is you who takes a people into the kingdom of glory. Lord, come quickly, I beseech you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I love you all. Thank you for listening. Share with a friend. And I'll talk to you soon. Oh, His glory.